0: draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. James chapter 4 verses 8 and 9. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. what a downer (laughs) right who wants to hear this message from St. James this morning not me as a command he's saying be wretched mourn Uh, this is not a popular message (laughs) we prefer to hear that God wants us to be happy um But zoom out with me for a minute and look objectively at the situation. What does it matter what we prefer to hear? I mean, in the real big picture of things, who cares if a particular passage of the Bible is unpopular or even unpleasant to listen to? So it's a downer. Admit it. It's also the Word of God. He must, I guess... No, not I guess. He must... I know want us to hear a downer from time to time. And if we truly believe that God loves us, and that he cares for us, and that he's guiding each one of us to himself through his son Jesus Christ, and that he's given us his word, the Bible, as his own communication to us, then we should just receive James, chapter 4, verse 6 through 5, verse 7, uh, for what it is, as a hard and unpleasant word. And receive it, and not push it away, and not ignore it, but welcome it. So that's what I want to do this morning, is look at this passage, downer that it is, and see where is the Gospel? What is God trying to call us into, even in such stern words? What's James doing here? What's he getting at? I think in a word, he's speaking into the tone of our lives, the general climate and atmosphere, the state of mind that we inhabit as Christians. Trying to sort of put contemporary language on it. James is saying that we should stop living as if we're in a fun house <laughs> and start living, start carrying ourselves the way we would at a funeral. Which is not perhaps the best, the most compelling critch- pitch for the Christian life uh, to a non believer. But that's only if we stop at the surface, right? Because have you ever been to a fun house at a carnival? Have you ever been to one of those? Um, I think they're kind of nauseating and kind of creepy. (laughs) They're fun in name only. Have you ever been to a good funeral? I mean, one where someone's lived a long life, a good and faithful life, and friends and family have come from all over to gather. And yes, it's sad and heavy, but it's also vivid and real. And you feel like for a moment, you know, for a few days and weeks, that sort of the fluff and the buzz of life has kind of cut through and you're living on solid ground again. Even as it's sort of sad, there's a certain sincerity and even a joy, I think, in the midst of what can be called a good funeral. Because it's characteristic funeral behavior that James is telling us to embody, right? Be wretched, mourn and weep. Right? He's using the language of Jewish and still today, funeral custom, mourning and weeping. The reason he's saying this is because I believe in the biblical worldview in the vision that James has inspired by God is that actually in large measure life is not that dissimilar from a funeral. Not only in that we're all hastening towards death but there's so much spiritual death and decay all around us. We're constantly rubbing shoulders in a creation and with fellow human beings who are drowning in spiritual death who are spiritually dead. Ourselves, our own souls are day by day being tempted to abandon the God who made us and instead begin to the, the slip and slope into death. So I want to sort of run with that paradigm, the difference between living as if life you're in a fun house versus living as if you're at a funeral. James gives us several details as to what this looks like. Instead of running around in a frenzy like kids do in a fun house or at a carnival, running after whatever's curious or pleasurable, if we're going to run from anything, James says, run from willful sin. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. And as he says very clearly, cleanse your hands, you sinners. Hands are what you do stuff with, right? He's saying, stop choosing to sin. Stop willfully plunging yourself into sin. Stop it. Stop doing those things. He goes on to say, not just sin, but the distracting pleasures and comforts and wealth of life. Stop chasing after those as well. But chapter 5, verse 5. These words cut like a knife to every one of us living in America today, right? Where we have abundant material provision. He says, with condemnation, you've lived on the earth in luxury and self indulgence. I mean, every time I read that, it's like, Ah, uh, I have I am I desert dessert all the time I live in padding and comfort and the exact temperature I'd like to be at with clothing that works perfectly and I have everything I'd ever like to do on hand 24-7 like instead of running hither and thither towards this pleasure, this comfort especially not towards sin James says, purify your hearts, you double-minded. And remember that in the Bible, your heart is the seat of your will, what you're choosing. Right? So when he says double-minded, he's saying that then as now, the temptation is to want a little bit of God and Christianity and a little bit of the world too. Right. James is saying, stop being double-minded. Those are opposite goals. You've got to pick. You've got to pick one. And you should pick God. Be single-minded in pursuing Him. I love the promise that James begins with. Draw near to Him, and He will draw near to you. One of the great promises of Scripture that when we reach out to Him in prayer, in a time of prayer, or in the midst of the day, or any time, He is right there on hand, ready to engage, actually drawing near to us, to further our relationship, to actually guide us step by step into a life that is single-minded on Him, and that is uh, casting aside the temptations and the sins that entangle us. I think ultimately what James is saying about the whole thing of turn your laughter to weeping and your joy to mourning. um, What what God is telling us through St. James is that the Christian life should be characterized by seriousness and not levity. One of the things I love about that we have a lectionary which takes us through almost every word of scripture on a three-year cycle is that we're constant we get to hear the full witness of scripture so much of which is incredibly sobering i mean think of our gospel that we just heard this morning right better to chop off your hand and get to heaven than than give in to willful sin and end up in hell and have both of your hands right and just to be clear jesus isn't advocating mutilation and, and hurting yourself. The church actually had to define that very clearly at the very beginning because there were some fanatics who went about like, well, Jesus said it. <laughs> you know, and, and the church said, no, 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 you're misinterpreting. Jesus is not using hyperbole. He's not overstating the case, absolutely. Losing a hand is not as bad as being in hell forever. Jesus is actually telling the truth. But he's saying that to teach us how seriously we should live, how serious willful sin is in our lives not that we should then hurt our bodies. The Christian call is a call to a, a serious life. And this actually stands, I think, in stark contrast to our world now more than ever. I think back in the day, there was a general tone of seriousness about life. You know when you see the photos of our great-grandparents and they're always looking kind of stone. Um I think it's because they took life kind of more seriously in general. Especially today, you know, the world is always quick to crack a joke to give a sort of sarcastic, flippant word, to wink at what is evil with a little nudge, a little bit of irony, especially about the things that matter to God and to the well-being of our souls. And I think, unlike the world, as Christians, we're not called to be glum, like kind of puddle glum (laughs) from the Narnia series, but we are, it is right to have a heavy heart about something that's heavy. right? That's actually proportional to take delight in what is delightful, but to be heavy about what is heavy. And there are many heavy things all around us, right? Not only like in the news and the big world events and all the things that are going on, but in the lives of our families and spouses and friends and in our own lives. And maybe most heavy of all, if we really receive the Scriptures, is the, that sense of the seriousness of our own sins. That we should have a... Actually, a James uses the word gloom like a sense of sobriety and heaviness about these things. It was, I think, Dostoevsky who said, what the clown laughs about, the saint weeps over. And I love that distinction that, you know, the world's always just like, ah, It's called a sort of cackle. And the saint says, no, that's serious. And that's a real soul, an immortal soul that God wants to win back to himself that's being lost in that event. This is my soul whose eternity hangs in the balance. This is serious stuff. And when we think about sort of, think about how the last funeral you were at, how you carry yourself at a funeral, it doesn't mean at a funeral you don't never smile or never greet a friend, or heck, there's even a funeral reception, right? You even enjoy a nice spread of food. So it's not about just being sort of down in the mouth 24-7. That's a cartoon funeral. But at the funerals I've been to, even when you're enjoying food, even when you're enjoying the presence of family who's gathered or friends from far away, your heart is anchored in the seriousness of the event. You never forget what sort of is the cloud over what you've been in. And I think that's a picture that James is giving us for the Christian life, that even as we get to enjoy the blessings of life, right, the delights of creation, the goodness of family and friends and Christian community, that there would always be a certain sort of still... Grounded heart and seriousness in the midst of it that it would never become sort of worldly buoyancy, but would remain rooted In the gravity of what is real that our, the Lord is going to come as our judge That every aspect of our life is going to be laid bare that there are thousands of souls Who've never heard about God and are drowning in the maze of their own sins? That if we remember that it it colors the tone in which we go about our days, and even the way we enjoy things. I don't think James is saying, never enjoy anything. Because when we look at the full witness of Scripture, we do see God giving us creation. We do see Paul commanding us over and over and over to rejoice always. Chiefly, he means in the spiritual blessings that we have in Christ Jesus. So again, it's not about frowning, but about a certain color of the heart. This is what James is calling us into, that, that life is serious, that every day we have a chance to draw nearer to our Redeemer, Jesus Christ, to invite, to open our hearts to more of His mercy, more of the knowledge of Him and the love of God, or the contrary, right? We have the chance to sort of, as Jesus would say, to get lost in dissipation and the cares of this life. Being a Christian is a really serious thing. I think our Lord was really serious a lot of the time. Right? Think of the things Jesus says. You can't say those with a chuckle. He's actually described right as a man of sorrows. James, <coughs> who we believe, you know, understand to be the brother of Jesus. Right? He, James is just teaching the very thing he saw embodied in his master. The very thing Jesus teaches on the Sermon on the Mount, right? Blessed are those who mourn. And he's not just saying, like, if circumstances happen to make you sad. I think he's saying, James is, is actually sort of unpacking that teaching to say, There should be a soberness, even a sadness. Some sort of longing expectation of God's redemptive work in our lives and the world at all times. Let's follow the footsteps of our Master. Let's heed this sober call of St. James. Because it's a means to an end. I think if we sort of practice, if we heed this command as sort of as a discipline, to use James's word, to be gloomy about sin, to put away worldly laughter... It's the means to attaining heavenly joy. That's, that's what this is, where James's message fits into the larger picture of the witness of scriptures. That when we rightly grieve over what is sad, when we rightly carry what is heavy with a heavy heart, when we don't give in to sort of the flippancy that most people treat their lives with, it will be a bit heavier, a bit more soberer life, no doubt. But there will also be a deeper spiritual joy, a joy that's actually unshakable, the joy that Paul had when he's in prison after being beaten and he's just singing hymns. Right? You don't do that if your joy is anchored on comfort or the pleasures of life. You do that when your joy is anchored on the Master, Jesus. So let's be wretched. Hard word, but let it, let it, it's been rattling around in my head since I've been preparing for today. Be wretched. Okay? Okay, Lord, if that's what you're calling us to, I'll I'll try and lean into that so that we might know more of true spiritual joy. Amen.